Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. I want to speak to you a little bit around this idea today of restless. I think uh, resting uh, is it's a very difficult topic, believe it or not, in our culture. In fact, as I went back through some of my other messages, I realized that all the messages that I preached on rest were the least reviewed. And uh, so I, I think when we talk about rest in our culture, it might be more of an idol than we realize. So don't get mad at me. Don't stone me. What we're going in today. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that as we dive in, that you would speak to our hearts in a real way. God, that we wouldn't think the thought of this message is for somebody else, but we would ask you, Holy Spirit, what would you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name? And everybody said? Amen. 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 I want to take you to Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Uh, there, there's a room there that is 99.9% soundproof. This, this broke all the Guinness Book of the World, the Guinness Book of the World Records for the quietest place. Uh, NASA trains their astronauts in this room, I guess because when you go to outer space, it's a little quiet. Uh, Whirlpool tests their washing machines, the decibel rate, uh, inside of this room just to make sure that they have a quiet, quality product. And this one was a little bit strange. Harley Davidson uses this room uh, to make their motorcycles quieter. I'm like, that sounds like an oxymoron, right? That, that's what I said. When I read that, I was like, aren't Harley supposed to be loud? Um, amen. Well, there's a, a gentleman by the name of, of Stephen Orfield. He's the one who actually created this room. And, and he said that this room is so quiet that when he's in there by himself, he can hear the artificial valve in his heart tick. He said the special thing about this room is the quieter you are, the more things you can hear, things that you wouldn't normally hear. But he did say this. He said, normally the silence for most people is rather unnerving. So the average person can only stay in this room for about 45 minutes without becoming so restless that they desperately need to get out. I think sometimes it's hard for us to sit still, especially in the culture that we live in. I think this is true that we all have experienced what it feels like to be restless when everything is still. We experience this in worship from time to time. You will have a moment where we'll tell you, hey, let's just be still. And even in those moments, we can feel the restlessness in our heart, can't we? Even in those still moments, you'll hear us quote passages like, be still and know that I am God. And as we're taking a moment to be still, we're wondering, where are they going? Are we transitioning? Are we going to sing again? Are we, you know, is he going to preach? When is he going to preach? How long are we going to stay still for? I mean, so many different thoughts can go through our minds because we're just not used to being still. We don't live in a culture that promotes stillness. In fact, some of us haven't experienced what it feels like to be still for a while. And there's so much soul traffic. They're, they're doing a study right now because they're trying to figure out now how many people actually take their phone to the restroom. Like there's just no silence anymore. I just always have to be doing something. Activity is always present. And I would propose that it would, it's, it's sometimes really hard to hear God in all the noise. But let me, let, me, let me preface it by saying this. God is powerful enough to speak right through the chaos. So I'm not saying that God can't speak in the noise. But I think, I think some of us, we have some unhealthy rhythms that it's constantly noisy, constantly noisy, and we're never creating space 
for God to speak in the stillness. We want God to speak in the fire. We want him to speak in the earthquake. We want him to speak in the wind. But sometimes God wants to speak in that still, small voice. But we don't know what it's like to be still a lot. And I don't think this is foreign to us. Watch your eyes. Because the, the busyness of our culture is huge. I mean, it's almost like a badge of honor. Hey, how you doing? Busy. So busy. Extreme, crazy busy. Right? And we all kind of we all kind of have embraced that or said that at one point. I, I could tell somebody, hey, my life is spinning out of control. I'm so busy. And and it wouldn't be uncommon for the response to be, well, it could be worse. You could not be doing anything, right? And so, so I think, though, that busyness serves as a protection against emptiness. I think we're afraid not to be busy sometimes because of what we might have to deal with. If I'm always running, I never have to deal with my life. I never have to deal with my sin. I never have to look at things that I'd rather not look at. Let me just fill it. And then I think on some levels, surely my life can't be pointless if I'm busy. Surely it can't be trivial or silly because I'm in high demand. And so we fill our schedules constantly to fill a sense of accomplishment. And some of us, we just have this angst. We just love to work. And that's great. Like there's nothing wrong with working. I love to work. I love what I do. But I am afraid that if we're not careful, we can become addicted to busyness so much so because we dread what we might have to face in its absence. And so here in America, it's pretty interesting. 85% of men and 66% of women work more than 40 hours a week. I'm all about hard work. I definitely work more than 40 hours a week. Um, but let's just look compared to Americans or uh, across the globe. Americans work 137 more hours in Japan, 260 more hours. This is per year than the British, and 499 more hours than the French. I'm like, man, we need to go to France. We're taking, we're taking a vacation to France. But on top of that, the workload and the pressure has increased. You know, because it's like, why would I have two of you when I can have one of you and just make you work harder? I was looking at a statistic when it comes to CEOs. CEOs used to work 20 times harder or 20 times it's a greater workload than the average employee. Now it's 100 to 200 times more. So even as I say that, you can feel the pressure. Technology has now allowed us to work anywhere. So what do we do? We work everywhere. Everywhere. Even in the restroom. They're doing studies on this. Emails and all this stuff. Like you're working in the rest, rest room. We just don't, we don't get it. And on top of all that, our world and the market capitalizes and monetizes on our restlessness. They market us because they know we're restless in desperate need of a break. But they love it because as long as we're restless, we keep buying because they keep promising that if you have this product, you will find rest for your soul. And so, so work used to be, um, traditionally speaking, not even in just a, a, a godly or a biblical context at all, but just like traditionally across the globe, work was kind of a means to free you up to be with your family, to be with friends, to make memories, to grow in deep relationships. Uh, of course, as a follower of Jesus, it would be, man, to, to, to be with God. 
And I think God wants to be a part of our life, whether we're at work or we're at home or all of that. God wants to do life with us. But, but, but there, was, there, there was this aspect that, that we, we, find, we found great fulfillment in letting work be work so it could free us up to be with and to do life and to focus on what matters most. But now it's a little bit different because work is starting to define us. What we do is starting, we're starting to find our identity in what we do. And so things are getting a little bit distorted. I remember uh, the first time I went to Israel. Now, anytime a pastor goes to Israel for the first time, it's, it's the nostalgia. I mean, you're just so excited, right? But, but the problem is this. A lot of times when you go for the first time, you're imagining an ancient world, but you're living in a modern day. And so you get there and you arrive at Tel Aviv and you see that it's one of the like, most seventh top markets in the world. Uh, and, and I remember I got to the Sea of Galilee and, you know, this is where Jesus walked on water. And, and I remember getting to the Sea of Galilee and I saw this. I'm like, and we're on this tourism ancient boat that they have a fleet of for all the Christians that want to come and tour, right? So we're on this ancient boat and they're coming right alongside of us. Is I mean, you are messing up the whole thing. Get off the sea. But, but there's this sense of nostalgia. There, there was uh, one pastor, he was, he was on the tour bus. And normally when you're in Israel, you'll see some Bedouin shepherds. You'll, they're either shepherding goats or sheep. And normally when you're coming up from the desert in, and ascending into Jerusalem. And, and they were driving. And, you know, when a pastor sees sheep and the shepherd, it, it's just, oh, like, that's me. You know what I mean? Like, and you're just watching. What can I learn from the shepherds there? And so this one pastor looks out the window and he noticed, he noticed that the shepherd was behind the sheep and he had a whip and he was whipping them. Wow. Bam. And so he was like, hey, he asked the tour guide, he said, hey, what happened? Like, I thought shepherds were supposed to lead their sheep by still waters and green pastures. And, you know, remember the whole thing that Jesus said, like, the sheep know my voice. And the Everybody got really quiet, and the tour guy started to laugh. He's like, oh, no, no, no. That's not the shepherd. That's the butcher. <laughs> oh, man. Isn't that, is that not the worst? Totally kills the whole moment. Take me right out of the nostalgia, right into modern times. But, but I think also, if you and I aren't careful, rather than being led by the shepherd, we'll be driven by the butcher buy things that rather than want to give us life, want to take our life. Are, are, are you tracking with that? And so, so, so when we look at being driven, you know, even sleep studies have been done. I'm blown away by sleep technology. Like you can put a device under your pillow, on your wrist, like show you how much REM sleep am I getting? Like how is this even possible, right? But technology has come a long way, but people know the importance of REM sleep. Why? Because studies have shown that it's not just the amount of sleep, but the quality of sleep that you get that actually your body receives what it needs. And so, so I would say that in the same way that if you and I don't learn how to rest, there are just some things that we're not going to be able to receive. Like God wants to do some things in us. God wants to work some stuff out of us. God wants, to, uh, wants us to receive some things from him. But if there's never any place for that, 
it's going to be hard to last. And, and I, would, I would encourage you with, with, with this today that if, if we don't rest, we won't last. And there's consequences to not resting. And I want to look at a very familiar passage. So if you've been in church for any amount of time, uh, please don't check out because uh, it's very familiar. But I promise I'm probably not going where you think I'm going. So just kind of bear with me. But, but it's a story. If you've never been to church, this is going to be a great, great true story for you to, to emb- uh, embark on with us. There, there's two sisters, Martha and Mary. Right. And, and Jesus comes into town. They welcome Jesus into their home. And we see something happen. Martha is all about preparation. Mary is all about sitting at the feet of Jesus, receiving everything he has to say. So we pick up in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Now, now Martha, a lot of times, gets this reputation of being a wicked woman, a wicked, busy woman. But I don't think that's Martha. I don't think she's a wicked, busy woman. She's a woman who loves Jesus. She just doesn't know how to rest with and in Jesus. But like she welcomed Jesus into her home. They're friends. Like they're, they're, they've done life together. And so her, her intentions are the best. They're, like, like her goal wasn't to be a workaholic. Her goal was to say, I never want to rest. Her goal wasn't to always be busy or rebellious and distracted. No, she loved Jesus. She just didn't know how to rest in him and with him. And so it continues, and, it's, and Jesus looks at Martha, and he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are so worried and upset about many things. This word worried, it literally means to be pulled about in a multiplicity of directions. He says, you're upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better. And what will happen? It will not be taken away from her, meaning it will go the distance. It will last. And so so here, Martha, her... Her life is, is, is speaking something to us. And a lot of times this passage can go in a lot of different directions, but I want to talk about the consequences of a restless soul. Like, like, what does it look like? What can we learn from Martha? The first thing is if you don't rest, you won't last emotionally. Like your gifting will take you so far and your ability to bear up under will take you so far. But then you get in that one season where all of a sudden, it, and it's so easy in that, in that, that season where Things that were unexpected starts to pile on top of each other and it can crush you. And so she's worried about so many things. There's an inner turmoil taking place on the inside of her. She's she's taking on a lot more than I would propose at this moment that God had even called her to. Like Jesus is there to be with her. Jesus is there to visit with her. And I'm not saying that preparation didn't have to be made, but, but I'm sure that that she could have reprioritized in a way where she, like Mary, could sit at his feet a little bit, spend some time with him. But here she is. She's got her gifting, and she's working. I I think she probably had the gift of hospitality. But when we start to run in our gifting apart from God, we try to follow Jesus apart from Jesus, eventually you won't last emotionally. 
It'll get exhausting. There's no wind. There's no breath. There's no life. And so I, I don't think she was a wicked woman. I just think her priorities were a little bit mixed up. She, her intentions were great, but it still led to a breakdown. So I don't think any of us wake up like Martha um, and just want to be this person that never stops. Like none of us are intended to say, I never want to spend time with God. I never want to do this. I always want to be running. Always. None of us wake up and say that. But sometimes our priorities reflect that there's some unhealthy rhythms in our life. See, if you don't rest, you won't last also relationally. So here she is. She's distracted. Just, I mean, just this one thought. Jesus is in her living room. And she's busy. And man, you, we can justify this a lot. Oh, she's, she's preparing the way. She's like John the Baptist. She's making a way for the food so the Lord could eat, so that the man of God could receive, right? No, but, but that just wasn't the time for that. And Jesus speaks to the heart condition. He says, you're worried about so many things. He doesn't really speak to what she's doing. He just said, Martha, you're, you're worried. There's, there's something happening inside of your soul that, that I really want to deal with. And so she's preparing. She's making it happen. Like, it's for you, Jesus. It's all for you, Lord. And can I just tell you that the, the day that we're living in, it used to be that business owners and maybe people in ministry, it's just it never stops. There's always something to do. Like in ministry, we never get to a point where we're like, man, we're all caught up. Let's relax this week, right? There's always something to do. Unless we have a hard stop every day, it doesn't stop. But now it's not just, I think, ministry and business owners and things. I think it's for all of us. Because it's not just work. It's everything that is cluttering and filling and taking up capacity on the inside of our soul. And so if we have things that aren't for sale in our life, everything's for sale. The butcher will find your price. He will find your price. And so if we don't have not for sales, like for us, our family fun day is just not for sale. And my kids know it. And when we violate it, they remind us. If I'm on my phone on, on that family fun day, they're like, hey, dad, so who are you talking to? I'm like, oh, man, here it comes. Unless it's, it's, it's a tragedy or something like that. It's not law for us, but it is, it is, it is a rhythm for us that, that we want to we want to create some time, some space to invest deeply um, in our relationship with God and with one another. Are you guys, you guys tracking with me on this? But, but can I t just tell you, relationally, if not, man, it, it can become really hard. It's a challenge to be present sometimes, especially when you have a lot of drive on the inside of you. You're just driven by so many things. You're, and, and they're not even bad things. They're, they're good things. Maybe you're building something. Maybe there's just something, there, there's a lot of things going on in your life, and, and it can be hard to be present. And so, and I've got it down. Like, I can be with my kids sometimes, and if I can just catch a few words, I can respond appropriately. How sad is that? Like, I caught the gist of what you said. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then, like, the other night, this happened the other night. And they were interrupting me, and, and this was, like, a non-interruption time. But my kids, I always try to give them as much permission to interrupt me as possible. But while teaching them boundaries at the same time, I'm not a bad parent. But, but, but they, they were... they were talking to me, and I, I was focused on something. I was preparing for the funeral, so I was focused on something, and... Uh, and they looked at me and said, so what? And I was like, yeah? Yeah, yeah, sure. They're like, what? <laughs> totally called me on the carpet. I missed it. Oh, I don't want to miss it like that. 
with my kiddos. That's just, it's, it's one thing to say, hey, dad can't focus right now. I'll, I can't give you my undivided. Give dad five minutes and then I'll be fully present with you. But it, it can affect us if we're constantly living like that. And, and then people that are actually spending time with Jesus, we get annoyed at them because we see what they have. We want it, but we know it's not real in our life. So then we're like, why don't you do something? Like, look at everything that I'm doing in a, in a spirit of pride and superiority can creep into and start to destroy stuff. And so, so our family will suffer. Our relationships will suffer. If we don't rest, we won't last relationally. And then spiritually. I don't even know if Martha realized kind of what was happening to her and what was happening on the inside of her heart. I love that Jesus speaks to the heart. He didn't say, hey, you're, you got all this food stuff going, all these. No, he says, you're worried about so many things. You're being pulled about by so much stuff. Like, I see the outer things that you're doing, but there's something behind that. And, and so, so Martha's sitting here, and it's almost like, God, you're being unfair. Look at me. God, are you mad at me? Like, look at all I'm doing. Can, can you tell her to do something? Like, like, come on. Like, I'm doing all the work. Mary's sitting and it starts to impair her judgments because what she starts to do is she starts to command the Lord to get on her page. Tell her to help me. Like, do what I'm doing. And he's like, oh, Martha, Martha, you got so many things going on. Start ordering God around. It's, you're spiritually not doing so good. Right? Your judgment is clouded a little bit. And so if we don't rest, we won't last spiritually, but then also lastly is physically. And I'm just going to breeze through this one. I, I, I've been really intrigued by the fact that I told Jackie, we need to start meal prepping again. Like we had a great rhythm 10 years ago. We need to start that again. And as I talk to people about meal prepping, one of the things that I hear all the time is, number one, uh, I think it can be expensive. But then I'm like, no, eating out and eating junk is expensive. But really the, the heart behind it is I don't have enough time to meal prep. And I just thought, man, we don't have enough time to throw a couple extra chickens, a couple extra asparagus, just a little, you know, extra for the next two, just meal prep two, three days. But it just feels like another thing to do. It feels like another load. Like, oh, I just don't, I don't have time for that. And so as a result, I mean, physically, because we live in a culture that doesn't rest, man, I am talking to more people that are having panic attacks, anxiety attacks. We're talking like, they don't know what's, they think they're having a heart attack. They go to the hospital, they check out just fine. No, you're having a panic attack. And, and, and it can creep out of the blue. They're just going, 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 going. I'm good, I got this. What are you talking about, rest? What are you, oh, rest, like, oh, that's so cute. I got, I got stuff to do. And then they hit the wall. And so in our culture today, I mean, in our nation, about 600,000 heart surgeries happen every single year. And many of them are, many of them repeat because there's not a change in the way that we live. And so, so we can all say, man, we can deteriorate physically. If we don't rest, we won't last physically. And so, so but it begs the question, what do we do? Now, let me, let me pause real quick and say, some of you need to get to work. Like, like you need to really do something. Because you're like, oh, praise God, Pastor May. I'm just going to continue to rest. <laughs> you're speaking right to me, right? It's like, no, the Bible says that a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat, right? So don't take this message as an excuse for your laziness, all right? And I say that with all due respect. Some of you need to get to work, right? You, you've been spending a lot of time with Jesus. You need to do something with it. Um, 
But, 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 but the reality is this. The reality is, what do, what do we do? And I, I love what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 6, verse 16 says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And I love this. And you will find rest for your souls. But how cool is this? But you said, we will not walk in it. And I was like, here's a beautiful invitation for the Lord to say, hey, I have a way of rest for you. And how many times do we just say, yeah, I don't want to walk in it. Keep your little ancient path. I'm living, you know, my life. And so, so I think the ancient path or, or the ancient path, uh, I'm just using this in principle, not necessarily just in context, but the ancient path that I believe that God wants to point us back to is this reality of Sabbath. Oh, and it's so controversial. Some guy came up to me second service, like, man, you have guts preaching about the Sabbath. I'm like, I know, because it's such an, there's, there's such an idol of busyness in our culture. It's, it's really, it's like, what? See, Sabbath, it comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. It, it, it means to stop. It means to cease, to, to stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying, just stop. And cease. Uh, th- think, of, think of this. It's, it's amazing how much we long for this. Like I said, advertisers know this. And they market toward rest so much. I mean, think about marketing a coffee table that you have this coffee table and has a nice cup of coffee on it, maybe with a succulent. And then the room is very minimal. So there's no clutter. There's no distraction. And we look and we're like, no laundry. Like no toys, no shoes. Just rest. Like, babe, we need to buy this table. It's just, you know, or, 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 the, or the blankets, you know, breakfast in bed, the orange juice is poured just perfectly, and the, just the eggs, there's no run, and then you have a little bit of fruit that looks incredibly fresh, and then the, all the blankets look fluffy. And you're just like, I want to wake up like that. And then you're at Bed Bath & Beyond. Like, we need the Egyptian cotton, babe. We need to level up. And so, so like, we're, we're just, we're marketed toward this so much. And then at the end of the day, what they say, hey, buy this and you will get rest. When Jesus says, no, it's just an invitation. I'm, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I have a gift for you. Are, are you guys tracking with me? And so, so it's, not just, uh, it's not just about taking a day. It's about the way that we live our life. It's about a spirit of restfulness that comes only by abiding in Christ and the presence of God as our ultimate rest. But a lot of times we can't even experience the ultimate rest in Christ because of the way that our lifestyle, it's like there's no space for God. So let me take us all the way back to the beginning, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 and 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughters nor male or female servants nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. What the Lord is saying is, I know you're going to look for loopholes. I'll rest, but I'll make all you work. Right? So he's like, no, no, no. I, I, want, you, I want you to take a day off. Uh, for six days, the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It, it, it's, pretty, it, it's pretty funny. When you go to Israel... Uh, and Orthodox Jew, they, they are still under the law. So they take this, I mean, to the umph degree. You go and there's a, there's a Sabbath elevator when you go to Israel. 
So on the Sabbath day, on Friday, 5 p.m., man, that, that Sabbath elevator's in full effect. So you get on, it just, they, they can't push any button because anything to do with electricity, like you, it, they equate that as working. So you just get in, it'd be the longest elevator ride of your life. You're just floor one, two. It just stops at every floor. So you don't have to touch anything. You can walk in and you just don't have to touch anything. I was with a rabbi in Israel and he's like, man, one time my kid turned up the TV all the way on the Sabbath. I said, well, what did you do? He's like, we left it on. I was like, you, you left your TV on full blast all night? He's like, it was Sabbath. I was like, man, you are, you are taking this to the whole nother place, man. Let me tell you about the freedom that we have in Jesus, right? And, uh, but we started, we were laughing together, but I mean, it's, it's, and I don't mean that any disrespect. I mean, it's just like, man, they take it to the umph degree, which begs the question, some of you guys, as you're hearing me say this, you're like, but Pastor Matt, the Sabbath is Old Testament. Like, like we're, we're now not under law anymore, but because of Christ's work on the cross, we're, we're now under grace. And, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But let me point you to a couple of passages. Mark chapter two, verse 27, it says, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What Jesus said is, man, the Sabbath was never meant to save you. It was meant to serve you. The Sabbath can't save you. Only Christ and his finished work on the cross can save us. It's not by works that none of us can boast about our salvation. Paul makes it very clear. But, but the Sabbath was not meant to save us. It was meant to serve us. And so, so I, I want you to catch this. In, in Mark chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, And he said to them, is it lawful to do good or harm on the Sabbath to save a life or to kill it? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. So Jesus is battling with the Pharisees, the religious leaders. It's a Sabbath day. There's a man that has a shriveled hand. And and the Lord, as you can see, he's angered and grieved. Like, what? you guys just missed the whole point of this thing. And so Jesus tells the man to stretch out his hand and he was healed because they thought it was a violation of the Sabbath to heal on the Sabbath. And so I love that Jesus doesn't eradicate the, the principle of Sabbath. He says, no, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do on the Sabbath. I'm supposed to heal. I'm supposed to restore. I'm supposed to set free. I'm here to deliver. I'm here to impart. See, the Sabbath was not meant to save us. It was meant to serve us. We are not saved by adhering to the law. We are saved only by the finished work of Christ. But now in Christ, the spirit of God lives on the inside of us and as a result has written his law in our heart, begins to move and change our desires toward the things of God and what God desires. Paul says in in Corinthians that we with unveiled face behold, and as we behold the beauty and the majesty of Jesus, it's the spirit of God that transforms us from the inside out. And so we're, we're not under the law, but Jesus said to himself, he says, man, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so, so what do I mean by that? I, I don't want you to hear me by any means. The reason why I have to keep reiterating this, because we're so bound and so bent in this direction that we are not saved by the law or our works. We are only saved by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But can I just tell you that the 10 commandments still have some benefits and they have some consequence. And so, so when, you, when you look at the benefits of the Ten Commandments, you look at, you know, I think it, it's beneficial not to have idols in our life. Would you guys agree? Um, I think it's beneficial not to, to lie, not to steal. Definitely beneficial not to commit adultery. Like, there's a lot of benefits. 
And can I just tell you, there are some benefits to the Sabbath principle, the principle of the Sabbath, not as a means of keeping the law unto salvation, but a gift of God that allows us to rest so he can impart into us everything that he wants to impart into us. Now, I don't believe that, I believe that this, this reality of Sabbath was ultimately pointing to Jesus as our ultimate Sabbath rest. But I think the principle of the Sabbath can position us to be with God and to be with our family, to be with friends and cultivate a depth in relationship with all of the above. Are, are you guys tracking with me? And I don't believe that we're, we're I'm just, not just talking again about a specific day. As followers of Jesus, some people will debate with me on this, and that's fine. But, but I, I think that we need to have Sabbath rhythms in our everyday. But I think there is a principle of having a full 24 hours off where you're unplugged, you're taking a day that is set apart. I just think there's something special, not to save you, but to serve you. And so, so I, I want you to, to get this because a lot of us, we see the benefits of, of the Ten Commandments, but there are also some consequences so there's benefits to the Sabbath, taking a day off, but there's also some consequences that many of us are reaping in our health, in our life, in our family, in our, in, in, in our relationship with God. Again, I hear this all the time. I just, I want to spend time with God. I just don't have the space. I just can't find a rhythm to get alone with God and to focus on what matters most. Now, some of you guys might be saying, man, Pastor Matt, that's great. It's so cute. But my schedule. Like this ancient culture, they would have no idea about our modern schedule. Well, I think they, they might have an umph degree. Because remember, when he gave this to them, they're coming out of slavery. Slaves don't get rest. Rest is a foreign concept to slaves. And so, so they're, they're like, oh my goodness. Like, like, like they weren't like, oh yeah, let's take a day off. Like they, that wasn't even in their vocabulary. They, they were in slavery for 400 years. That generationally, we just don't, we do what we're told. We produce, we, we, we get up, we produce, we produce, we produce, we produce, we produce. And God's like, you don't have to do that anymore in that way. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something. There was a, uh, two guys, they were wood choppers. Anybody ever heard this little story? Um, there were two wood choppers and one of them said, well, I'm going to challenge you to a wood chopping contest. So they went for it. And one guy, he's just, bam, just no breaks all day. Just bam, bam. And this, the other guy was taking breaks, took a long lunch, a few excessive breaks. And so the guy that's killing it is just like, man, I'm going to win this guy. Well, at the end, the, the guy that took the breaks had the most, chopped the most wood. And so he was like, what? How in the world can you do that? He said, oh, you must have missed that when I was, when I was, Taking a rest, I was also sharpening my axe. And so, so I think sometimes when you hear me talk about rest, you're like, no, 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 I, I'm going to produce more if I do more. And I was like, what if you sharpen your axe? God hasn't called you to take a break to be more unproductive. He's called you to, to take a break to be more productive. Because I'm telling you, when, when people are drinking from your cup that's overflowing rather than your empty cup, you'll be far more productive. When you're living from a place of fullness rather than emptiness, you will, you'll be living in a different place. So, so, so what am I trying to say? I'm, saying, I'm trying to say this, that, that this day of rest, the Sabbath was a sign of freedom. That I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, look at it. It says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Slaves don't have a day off. 
And God is saying, you're no longer slaves. You're no longer bound and, and driven by performance and what people think and, and driven by money, driven by insecurity, driven by you know, this, these chains of fear, driven by being a slave to anxiety. No longer do I want you to have a slave mentality. You're free. That is, of course, unless you can't say no. Then freedom is available to you. But maybe we're still living in a bondage that we don't realize. Like we can't say no to the devices. We can't say no to just a break. We just can't say no to what matters most. Or I'm, I'm sorry, say no to things that, that matter, but things that don't matter most. Nothing wrong with any of those things, but, but what in your life can you not say no to? And let the Lord deal with that space. It, it was also a sign of trust. The Lord was teaching his people dependence. It says that I'm not the provider. It reminds me that you are the provider. Exodus chapter 16, the people were like, why did God bring us out here? Like, we should have stayed in Egypt. We ate way better. And God told Moses, he said, listen, I'm going to rain down manna. But just tell the people to gather what they need for the day. He said this, he said, they must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift. Oh, just let that sink in for a moment. It's the Lord's gift to you. That's why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day. So there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your own place. Do not go out to pick food on the seventh day. Because they, they came from a harbor culture. Like, it's like, oh, we got to harbor. We got to survive. We got we to just try to get everything in. We got to, oh, we're, we're slaves. But then some tried to harbor some of the manna, and they woke up, and it was spoiled, and it had worms in it. Because the Lord was giving them a weekly reminder to trust and depend upon me, that you're a free people. I got you. I got you. And matter of fact, I can produce two amounts in one day and make up for that seventh day. You know what I love about Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A takes a day off. They honor the principle of the Sabbath. And do you know that it has not made them, it has not made them less productive? They're still, they're still like the, the top five. Not only do they have a lot of revenue, but they have one of the greatest cultures of a fast food restaurant. And they take an entire day off across the nation lose an entire day of revenue, the world is like, you are ridiculous. There's always lines for you. Do you know how much money you can make in that one day? And true, Kathy, the founder said, yeah, we're just gonna, we're gonna go ahead and trust God with that day. Whether they believe it or not, what a testimony to the employees, right? Even if they're not saved, it's still like, why do you do this? Why do you give us a day off? And so God has not called you to be less productive. He's inviting you to be more productive. Are you guys tracking with me and inviting us to trust him? So uh, I'm kind of setting the stage. We're going we're gonna to dive a little bit more um, later in this month. But I, I'm inviting you to cease. Like, what would it look like to cease? What would it look like for Martha if she just would have just said, man, cool, like, it's good. I'll just, it's not going to be top notch, but I'm going to go be with Jesus for a little bit. Now, let me, remember, uh, let me remind you that Sabbath, it, it's not just simply a day. It's, Sabbath is a verb. We don't have a Sabbath. We Sabbath. We Shabbat. We stop. We cease. A another notion of the word uh, is to delight in, to delight in the Lord. A join, like a J-O-Y-I-N-G, a join in God and our lives in his world. 
just, just this, this, this delighting in him. How many does that sound a little bit refreshing? Uh, let me give you a test. So when it comes to restfulness, margin, slowness, quiet, deep relationships, time alone, delight, enjoyment, clarity, gratitude, contentment, trust, love, joy, peace, working from love. A lot of us, if we're not careful, we can work for love. We're working for value. We're working for identity. We're working for or needing the feeling of accomplishment because it's, we're not finding our ultimate meaning and identity in Jesus. Working as contribution. Working as contribution means I'm serving from a place of overflow. I'm, I'm contributing. Like, I'm grateful. I'm, so I'm serving from that place. On the other side, restlessness, busyness, hurry, noise, isolation, crowds, distraction, envy, confusion, greed, discontentment, worry, anger, angst, melancholy, sadness, anxiety, working for love and work as an accumulation and accomplishment. And so if you were to be honest with yourself, when you look at these two places, what do you most identify with? Well, let me ask you a better question. What is your life more marked by? And if you're not sure, ask the people around you that are close to you that love you. What category do you see me consistently in? And if you're over here, can I just say welcome to the club? Like if I were to be totally honest with you, I'm always battling here. Like I, I, this is embarrassing to say, I probably live more here than I do there. But I'm mindful of it. And I'm inviting God to do a work in my heart. So I just, just want you to know, I'm just not preaching at you. I'm talking with you as your pastor. And so I can find myself in the tension of these two places. And I'm so grateful that, that if you're over here, it's, it's, not a, it's not a guilt trip today. Like, oh man, I'm horrible. No, no, it's, it's an invitation to say that, man, God has, God has more for you. Like, like, what would life look like over here? Oh, can you just imagine? Relationships deep and flowing. Intimacy with God for real. Oh, the voice of God more clear than any other voice. Man, satisfied. When's the last time you were just content? I, I came across a, a, a Messianic Jew. He's, he, he posted on his blog, this is what a Sabbath looks like. I thought it was, it was fun to look at. It's not your Sabbath. This is his. So, But I think it was good. He said, I don't work for wages. I don't compete for rewards. I make time to relax and do nothing. Just sometimes no structure. Read and study the scriptures and other books that are stirring my affection toward Jesus playing with family and friends. When's the last time you just played? And, and, and if you don't have any family or friends here, I'm so glad that you're at our church and hopefully you're in a small group because we want to be your friend and your family. Take a walk and enjoy creation, meals with friends and family. Like when's the last time you just had a, just a, a rich meal where you stayed? I love being at the, at, in, in Israel on the Sabbath. We would just stay and it would, it would be a couple of hours minimum food is coming out, conversation is flowing, blessings are being prayed. Oh, it's just, it's, it's so beautiful. And then what about to talk to each other with your mouth on the Sabbath? 
right? It's like, hi. So good to see you. Pray and worship and meditate and intimacy with spouse. Remember I asked the rabbi, I said, man, is that fair game on the Sabbath? He said, absolutely. And I don't say that to be funny. I say that because it's about intimacy. It's about depth. It's about richness. I was surprised. I was like, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't expect that to come from your mouth, Rabbi. But, but it's, it was, it's this depth of relationship with God and with one another. But, but here's the reality. If we're honest, this just does not come easy or by accident. A lot of times the disciplines that we put into place end up turning into a delight. Sometimes they're not fun at first because they're unfamiliar. A lot of us set goals, but I think a lot of times we should set disciplines because a lot of times we don't hit our goal. It's not because we don't want to hit the goal. It's because we don't have the discipline in our life to, to, to make it there, right? And so I would propose that, man, some of these disciplines might, be, might turn into a delight, but you got to be intentional. You, you, you can't just, it's not just going to happen. You got to prepare. There's got to be some self-control. You're going to have to say no to some great things so you can say yes to the best things. But, but I think it's a primary way that we can cultivate a spirit of restfulness in a world of chaos. Remember, we're to look countercultural. The world's spinning out of control. Excuse me, and I'm spitting out of control. Um, the world is spinning out of control. And, and, and we, we, should, we should look different. And so as an athlete would prepare for a match, I, I watched uh, a couple of my buddies posted, I guess there were some UFC fights on yesterday. And I watched one guy, he's just in it. His arm is broken and he's still trying to pound the guy. I'm like, ouch, but you, you trained for that. And, and his arm is broken and he's disappointed because he lost. I'm like, man. And then another guy, he gets up, two shots, bing, bing, knocked out. That's the word. You train all these months, two shots, and I'm done. That is the worst. But they're training for that moment. So I would propose that, man, these, these, these times, these Sabbath moments that we have with the Lord and with one another can prepare us for the moments that matter most. So I want to leave you with a question today to consider by John Mark Comer. He says this, what could I do for 24 hours that would fill my soul with a deep throbbing joy? What would make me spontaneously combust with wonder, awe, gratitude, and praise? What if we just dare to dream what it would be like to take a day off? I know that everybody's schedule looks differently. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about a gift from God. We're not talking about the Sabbath saving, but serving us. I just wonder what life would look like if we created rhythms. And, and everybody's schedule is different. And everybody, I know there's all these rebuttals that may come into your mind right now. I, I get it. But, but what if we can start to consider and start somewhere to cease and to be with God and to learn how to sit with him, how to unplug? I wonder what 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 life would be like. I think it might look a lot like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and the Lord say, hey, what I'm depositing here will never be taken. It can, it, it'll last. If you don't rest, you won't last. But, but this right here, communion with him, it'll last in this life through the next and never be taken from us. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I know, God, that there's a lot here, lots to consider, lots to ponder. Pray that we just examine our hearts honestly. And Lord, I'm not here to heap any laws on anybody. Just to invite, 
just as you do. It's a gift. But we don't want to live as slaves to stuff. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. We're no longer slaves to sin. No longer bound to all of these things of the world. Lord, in you we are free. Help us to walk in that freedom. Help us to realize the freedom that we have in you. And Lord, I just pray that anything that any busyness or any restlessness that's caused areas not to last in our life, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, God, those are it's not ir, it's not irrevocable, it's not uh, irreparable. Maybe just bring these things to you and learn to sit at your feet. Allow you to speak into these areas of our life so that we would live from a full place of fullness, not a, not a place of emptiness. And maybe you're here today, can I just tell you the ultimate rest is found in Christ alone. He's our ultimate Sabbath. Apart from him, you can have all these principles in place and still not find rest. I know people that have everything you could possibly dream of and still don't have rest. So Christ is is the ultimate rest. Things I'm talking about today are just to free us up so we can be with him and one another and cultivate a depth that God is calling us to this year. So if you say, Pastor Matt, I need to to give my life to Jesus today. I need to surrender my life to Christ. Maybe I need to rededicate and and just, just come back home. I want you to take a step prayer team is going to be right up here. If you're online, our prayer team is is waiting on the other side of that number. Just pick up the phone and call. Let us know in the chat. But our team is going to be right right up here to pray with you. We have some things we want to resource you with. But that's where it starts. And that's where it ends. It starts and it ends with Christ. Abiding in him is where we find ultimate rest. So Lord, seal this in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.